Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and in this hour, I've got Dr. Andy Scuddinger with me here in studio. Andy is a psychology professor at, uh, at North Central University right here in the greater Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. And every time I get Andy on the show, we always have a lively discussion. And I always want you to know you're open to email us at any time. If you hear Andy say something you'd like some clarification on, you can do you can do that by texting 877-933-2484. Today we were going to talk about uh, myths about mental illness and about depression because there is a lot of it going around right now and I find it <laughs> a great concern Andy. Yeah. yeah, I do too. It's it's an it's an important thing and it's it's very real. I and think it, there's, you know, there's there's some folks who are like, ah, you know what, that whole mental illness thing is kind of ridiculous. And there are people who are so deeply concerned with their mental health that it becomes almost an obsession. And so there's there's a there's a large range in between those two polar opposites. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of different opinions that swirl around on the internet. For sure. You can be very confused very quickly, but mental illness is a very scary term. It is. And I think, you know, one, one thing, I was just speaking about this in class recently, uh, the danger of getting, you know, a diagnosis sometimes is that you feel like you're labeled for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like I'm going to be called depressed or anxious forever. Right. Um, and that's, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, some diagnoses, they, they do last for your life. Um, uh, because if you have something like bipolar disorder, that usually doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a disorder you'll, you'll deal with for most of your life. Um, there are other things that can come and go, and there are other things that you can deal with in a short amount of time. And you never have to be saddled with any kind of a name that goes with that mm-hmm. or, a, or a label. Um, and diagnoses are, are actually really important um, for a number of reasons. Number one of which is so you can have something to work with and understand about yourself. So I, I, want, listen, I hope listeners understand that if you've been diagnosed with a mental illness, it's not a life sentence. It's a tag so that you can work with professionals and so they know what they're working with and mm-hmm. they know... Um, you as a client can know what you're dealing with. Your therapist or your doctor can help you with that. And it becomes something that becomes really useful to you if it's, if it's used right. Yeah. So Andy, if I feel a little hopeless at times or a little helpless at times, that's a feeling that all of us encounter. That doesn't necessarily mean I've got mental illness. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of common emotional feelings that we should feel, if not every day, frequently. You know, having sadness or, or anger or shame, those are often things that are closely associated with mental illness, but they're also part of our regular human experience. You know, if you go through a week and you don't feel sadness once, um, I don't think that's a bad thing, but that'd be pretty unusual, mm-hmm. right? Or if you don't feel anger about something, yeah. I mean, all you have to do is drive home from work today and you'll probably find something to be angry about for a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, if, if you get angry a lot, that doesn't mean you have an anger disorder and it doesn't mean that you have something wrong with you necessarily. It might mean that's something you should spend some time working on, but it 
doesn't necessarily lead to you to have some sort of diagnosable disorder. Mm-hmm. Same with things like sadness. I mean, that's an easy one. Some people feel sad a lot. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're depressed. Right. It means you just might be a sensitive person and yes. things that you hear or see make you feel sad. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's when it piles up and it's a constant chronic feeling that never goes away when yep. it should. Yep. That's when you probably need to see if you need some help. Yeah. You're generally a very optimistic guy. When yeah. was the last time you felt sad? Oh, that's a good question. Is it over the weekend? Probably. Ah, that's, you got me. Um, we got news about something this weekend. Now, I'm, I'm not remembering what it is, okay. but I, I felt a sense of sadness. Okay. It was it was bad news about something. Yeah. It was yeah. either a, a, you know, like a, a health diagnosis. I can't remember what it is. And honestly, it's irrelevant. But I, I did feel a sense of sadness. Mm-hmm. Like that makes me feel sad. It's not a happy thing. Someone's yeah. going to probably die from this. And it's way before their time. It was something along those lines. Yeah. Now, sadness is one thing, but a mental illness would attack your your ability to think clearly and to experience feelings accurately. Yes. So most definitely, sadness might become largely distorted, and you think that's not a normal sadness. There's something else going on. Right. When you start feeling catastrophic feelings at something that shouldn't be a catastrophic feeling, so. I'm trying to think of a fair example that, you know, might make somebody sad. You know, maybe maybe your favorite team loses and is not going to make the playoffs. I'm used to that. For example. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, and you feel sad about that. But if it if if that's something that's something that you can get over in five minutes. Yeah, it, it should, right? Yeah. For most people, for you most should people. be able to get over that fairly quickly because yeah. it's not you, it's something that you're just associated with yeah. or something you care for. When that turns into two, three, four days of intense sadness because, you know, let's say the Twins didn't make the playoffs. That's not a healthy response yeah. to something like that. Now, if your if your favorite pet dies or runs away, different. that's a whole that's different thing. Different. And yeah. now you're in a grieving process for something that has been taken away from you. Mm-hmm. That's That's personal, something that you love. Yeah. That'd be a pretty normal feeling. Yep, very normal. And so there's there's a continuum of how we should appropriately respond emotionally to all kinds of things. It's when you don't know how to do that anymore mm-hmm. because your emotions have control over you and you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it just rolls over into something bigger and bigger, kind of snowballs downhill. Yep. That's when you're probably looking at, uh, maybe I have something that I need to get some help for. Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy Scuttinga is my guest. Andy, so we, we have made the point so far that feeling hopeless or helpless is a kind of a common occurrence. Yeah. But if, in fact, you have been diagnosed with a mental illness, um, it's not the rest of your life necessarily. No. It's something that um, you can get help for, and with proper care, recovery is possible and sustainable. Yeah. So Abs- that's a good thing. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, the, the Bible's pretty clear, too, about deliverance um, from anguish and anxiety and right. sadness. Right. Um, the, the tricky part is it doesn't say it's going to happen in a certain amount of time. I've met people and worked with people who have had years of anguish and sorrow and depression or anxiety. And it's taken them literally years to get over that and to find healing and, and comfort and peace but they do. 
And the Bible is clear. God does deliver us from those things. It just doesn't say how fast it is. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in middle school, kind of late middle school, early high school, I suffered through a period of depression and anxiety. I just wasn't doing great in my school situation, but it, it went away. And actually I got some help. I went to go see a therapist. I barely remember that at all, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Um, and it, it helped tremendously. And I've, Fortunately, never had to deal with that ever since. Mm-hmm. You know, I could say, hey, I've dealt with depression frequently, and that wouldn't be true, right? That's something that happened far away in my past, like, right. you know, 35 years ago, uh, roughly, somewhere on there. And, you know, I could hang on to that in the back of my head all the time, like, well, I still have the potential to be deeply depressed. Um, I don't think it's a good way for us to look at that. It's a healthy way. We want to think about how can we move forward and continue to stay in a place that's healthy and good for us? Mm-hmm. And Andy, if you are suffering from a bit of a mental illness, that is not a sign of moral failure, is it? No, absolutely not. I think it's easy to go down that road. Um, it's it's very easy for many people to go down that road. Um, they feel like, well, I must be sinning a lot or... I must have done something that made God want to abandon me like this. Yeah, And that's just, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. God doesn't abandon us for yeah. our sins. Let me reference Psalm 32. David is talking, uh, saying, For when I kept silent, bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Yeah. So... There's, there's an unconfessed sin. There's a moral yeah. failure. And it sounds like there's a little bit of mental illness going on there, a little bit. Yeah. And that's that's one of those cases where I think it's fair to say your your moral failure, your unconfessed sin is dragging you down. Yes. And so there are certainly times where a moral failure could cause you to have a mental illness. And that's that's perfectly acceptable to use that as not an excuse, but a reason. Like, sure. Hey, I've done something and I've kept it hidden from everybody and I can't do it anymore because it's literally destroying me from the inside. Yeah, because you're living a web of lies. Right. That's going to make anyone crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's It's so hard to maintain that for anyone, right? Yeah. But if you're a person who's you know, just kind of living a regular life, you're not doing anything in, you know, bad, you're not... You know, you're not cheating on your spouse. You're not, uh, uh, you know, addicted to drugs or alcohol. You're not abusing anybody. You're just doing, you're just doing a normal daily life. Mm-hmm. People like that become depressed or suffer from anxiety all the time. Yeah, true. All over the world. And they've true. done nothing wrong. They've done nothing to deserve it. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, sometimes it just happens. It's, it's really, it, it's really similar to getting some sort of a nasty cold or even a disease that's going to last for a certain amount of time. Yeah. You, you didn't necessarily go walking around begging for germs to attack you. Sometimes that just happens, and that's just that's life. Yeah, and normal anxiety can happen at any age of life, and it tends to increase as you get older. Yeah, I, that's I true. What, is that true, Andy? Yes. Because, you know, sometimes people go, well, I don't like driving at night anymore. Right, because it makes me worried. It makes me worried. I'm, I'm anxious Well. And that's honestly fair because if you are older and you don't see as well at night and your reactions, they aren't as fast when you're 70 as when you're 35, you, you should probably pay attention to the anxiety you feel. It's a good thing. Because it might be, your body might be telling you, this is dangerous. This might be your friend. 
don't do this, <laughs> right? And yeah. that's what we talk a lot about in mental health circles is when do you listen to your body and when do you ignore it? Yeah. yeah. When your body is in severe pain, you listen to it. Of course. You don't ignore it, yeah. right? When you feel like, I don't know if I should walk down that street. Your brain and your body are working together to say, there's something about that that feels off. Mm-hmm. You should always listen to that. Yeah, I agree. Always. Dr. Andy Scuddinga is my guest. We're going to continue our discussion on mental health because uh, whenever I get Andy in the studio, that's kind of what I like talking to him about. So if you have a question or comment, let me know, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Hi, this is Bill Arnold. You might be the kind of person that goes to Paris and still listens to Faith Radio on the app. Or you might be more like the person that goes into the next room in your apartment and listens. The good news is, is using the app is just as easy in both places. Downloading the free app is crazy easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. And if you happen to be in Paris, there is a really nice little coffee shop not far from the Eiffel Tower that serves a really nice chocolate biscotti. I'm looking at my guest, Dr. Andy Scudinger, who's sitting right across the studio from me. We're talking today about mental illness. We're going to touch on depression a little bit in the second half of our hour but Andy, a question came in. Do you think a lot of prescription medications people take for physical problems can cause mental illness? Uh, you know, to be totally frank, I'm I'm not really qualified to answer that question. You're a psychologist. I am, but I'm not a psychiatrist. True. And for those who don't know, I don't think a lot of people actually know this. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor. Yep. And they have to go to medical, they go to med school. And then they have to spend another four years studying psychiatry and four years doing a residency before they let them out um, on their own. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think I should answer that question because yeah. I'm, I'm really not qualified to. A psychiatrist would answer that question. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's get back to mental illness. Is it a sign of weakness? No. Okay, good. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think... I think it would probably feel that way to most people. You know, like, why why can't I just deal with this? I feel so weak. Well, that's that's what mental illness does to you. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel weak. Um, but it's not caused because you are weak. There's so many reasons why people fall into mental illness. Sometimes it's just simply a chemical issue. Your Your hormones are off. You're... Your neurotransmitters are out of whack and you're getting too much or too little of, you know, dopamine or serotonin. Um, And there's literally not much you can do about that unless you do take medicine to move you back into that spot. So that's that's clearly not a weakness. That's just kind of a misalignment more than anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to if your back is out of line, it's not sometimes it's because you're weak. You know, your core muscles might be off and your back gets out of line. But I think when it comes to mental health issues, Frequently, it's if it's not a chemical issue, I think a lot of times it's due to a lack of coping skills for certain situations yeah. or things that you were never prepared for or things that you weren't taught by someone else how to handle. 
And when you don't know what to do, sometimes you make poor choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and those poor choices can sometimes lead to other poor choices that might lead you to start feeling negative about yourself. And then you start feeling negative about yourself and you start sending yourself regular messages of you're not good enough. Nobody likes you. You're alone. You are not worth it. And when you start sending yourself those messages, it's not like you started to on purpose. These things kind of pile up and, you know, all of a sudden a few months later, a year later, you realize you feel terrible about yourself. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily anyone's fault or anything that happened to you. It's sometimes you just don't realize that you've been giving yourself the short end of the stick for a long time. Yeah. And that weighs on a soul after a while and suddenly you realize, I feel this way all the time. Yeah. I feel like I have to take a short commercial break <clears throat> just to say, you're not alone. You matter. And I love you. Amen. That's just people hear those words. That's totally true. Yeah. So true. Have you ever broken a bone? Yes. What'd you break? I broke the scaphoid bone in my right wrist. Now, were I you, snapped it in half. Were you mad? Were you shouting, my scaphoid bone should have been stronger? <laughs> no, I was mad at myself for trying to block a shot in an intramural basketball game <laughs> when I was a college professor and some 19-year-old kid flattened me. Yeah, but your scaphoid bone, which, by the way, I've never heard of in my life, right? Um, you, you weren't mad at it that it wasn't stronger. No, of course not. But what about your mind? If, if you have... If you have weakness that you feel weak don't beat yourself up <laughs> right you're having some kind of yeah problem i see what you did there see what i did i tried to come around yeah took a left and then i went straight and then i curved. i like that i like how you did that bill yeah yeah well that's totally that's a great analogy i i really like that because again some of these things happen because of accidents sometimes it happens because we maybe have made some bad choices right you know you can break a bone doing something perfectly normal. Right. Or you can break a bone taking some significant risks. Yep. And sometimes people take risks in their lives by engaging in things that they maybe shouldn't or engaging in a relationship that's unhealthy for them and not getting out of it when they have choices to, to do so, right? And, you know, finding the causes for a lot of mental health illnesses is, is challenging because sometimes, like I alluded to before, Sometimes we do things that lead to us developing chronic issues. And again, sometimes it's like catching a cold. There's really nothing you could have done differently. Mm-hmm. This is what's happened to you. And so the allusion to or the alliteration to, to breaking a bone, if you ignore it, that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have physical pain, it's your body telling you there's something wrong and you need to get something to fix it or you need healing. Emotional pain is the exact same way. When you're feeling emotional pain, and it and it's happening more and more often, that is your mind and your heart not being weak. It's your mind saying, "We need some help. I need to do something different, and I don't, I don't know what to do." That's when you need to listen to yourself and go find some help. Mm-hmm. Doctor Andy Scudinga is my guest. Andy, so if you feel like you've had some mental illness diagnosis, maybe you feel a little bit. Outside of community, maybe you feel a little bit of of an outcast. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not good either. No, no, you won't. You don't want to do these things alone. Um, you know, when you're getting, you know, if you're getting help from a therapist, that's that's great. I highly recommend that anybody with mental health issues look into engaging with 
a mental health counselor, whether it's a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. It comes under many names, but if you're getting help from someone who's professionally qualified, that's a great step. I also recommend that people don't hide their mental illness from everyone around them either. At the same time, I don't think you should broadcast it to everyone either. There's a, I think there's a, there's a window of a healthy response to a mental health illness, particularly once you've been diagnosed. Mm-hmm. It's great to share that, obviously, with your professional care provider. But I think it's important to feel comfortable enough to share your diagnosis and your needs with your immediate family mm-hmm. and with some close friends who can pray for you, who can support you, who can encourage you. Who can just be there for you without having to do anything magical other than saying, like you said earlier in in your commercial break, you're not alone, you are loved, Mm -hmm. and you matter. When you have some people around you who can do that for you while you're getting professional help, Mm -hmm. it's going to help you immensely. And you'll make a lot better progress than if you don't tell anyone you're seeing a therapist and you do that all in secret like it's something to be ashamed of. Because what I would say you should be ashamed of is hiding your mental health illness from everyone and doing nothing about it. And ignoring it because yes. it's not going to go away. No, it is not going to just go away. And yeah, of course, sometimes it might. There's, you know, we have, you can say that about anything, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes things heal themselves on their own. Well, sure, but wouldn't you rather have it done faster and better? Yeah. And with someone who knows what they're doing? I wonder if people think, uh, am I making too big of a deal out of this? You're going to second oh, guess yeah. yourself, yourself all day long, aren't you? Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I, if you've been feeling under stress and you're not speaking out and it's becoming a mental illness, that's not good. No. And it's good to talk to somebody about that. And it's, it's good to talk to somebody who you might know who has some experience with this. Because some people, I mean, let's be honest, some people are pretty frank about any struggles that they've had. And some people prefer to keep that to themselves. I don't think there's a right or, or wrong here. Um, you know, if you, if you're at church with somebody who's been up front and said, Hey, look, I've been healed from depression. I was depressed for seven years and I thought I'd never get out of it. And I'm here to tell you today that I feel great. Mm, Please do that. Those are the people you should go talk to and say, Hey, nobody knows this about me. Right. I'm feeling the same way that you just talked about. What do I do? Those are wonderful resources. Yeah. Um, you know, if you know people who are psychologists or counselors or therapists, social workers, pastors, um, people who have been had some training in these areas, talk to them. Ask them for someone they know who can help you. There, ladies and gentlemen, there is no shame in having a mental health issue. It happens to millions and millions of people every year. And I can't emphasize enough just to find somebody you trust to just talk to about it, even if it's just to simply say out loud to somebody else, I think I might need some help because I'm yeah. feeling this way. Yeah. Even that is a step forward. Mm-hmm. Boy, you got me thinking, Andy. I'm just imagining the person that's listening right now that's thinking they're talking about me. Oh, yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah, because there's there's so much hurt and pain in the world, and some people have way more of it than others. Yeah. And we all have different levels of coping skills and coping mechanisms. And some of us can have one situation and it's not a big deal. And another person near us can have the exact same situation and it is devastating. Yeah. And yeah. it all depends on our 
It depends on a lot of things, how Mm. we handle those situations. If this topic is feeling too close for comfort for you, let me know how we can pray for you. 877-933-2484. I want to make sure you are heard and that you're cared for and loved and that uh, we can be praying for you as well. 877-933-2484. Dr. Andy Skuniga is my guest. He's a professor of psychology at North Central University. We'll be right back. I am so glad that you tuned into the show today. Thank you. I hope this is an appointment from God that you tuned in to listen, especially if you're struggling with some depression or anxiety or maybe even thinking, is this a mental illness? Because we want you to get the help that you need. And Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. He's a psychology professor, not a psychiatrist or like one of those guys, but no. um, very uh, very helpful in having this discussion with him. Before we get back to our material, a uh, question came in. What is Andy teaching this fall and how are the students responding so far? Well, I am teaching Introduction to Psychology, which is my favorite class. Um, I'm teaching Lifespan Development which is, you know, birth to death, basically. And I'm teaching theories of personality. Okay. And the students are responding really well. I have a great batch of students. We have a really great freshman class that came in this year. It's been really fun to read their stuff so far. I'm already grading things. We're about three weeks in. So now the work begins. Nice. So (laughs) if we were to pull out one element of mental illness, and let's call it depression, because it seems that there's a lot of people that have episodes with depression. Yeah. Maybe, Andy, if we could talk about some of the things uh, about depression. If I were to say, Andy, this isn't going to happen to me. Come on. Sure. What would you say? I would say, not so fast, my friend. (laughs) Okay. All right. Because, you know, you can't... Look, uh, you mentioned it earlier. I'm a really positive guy. I have a very positive attitude. You do. Um, yeah, it's annoying. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it probably is. Um, I'm so happy. But everyone is susceptible to all kinds of mental illness, and we're not even maybe mental health illness, but we're all susceptible to susceptible to malaise. Or what, what's malaise? You know, I know what malaise means. But malaise is just kind of like just not feeling great for yeah, a while. Kind of flat. Yeah. Yeah. It's it wouldn't it wouldn't qualify. You know, in terms of you know, like officially, is that depression? No, yeah, you mean right. you have to you have to meet certain criteria. There's there's a whole science behind all of these mental health disorders, and depression has certain things you need to meet criteria to say yes, you are you have clinical depression, right? Um, but I think anyone who says it, it won't happen to me, you should always be wary, and you should always be careful to be somewhat self aware and realize how you feel and and think about that sometimes. Um, you know, mindfulness is a, is, it's a, it's growing in its understanding and its popularity in terms of how do we handle, uh, you know, how do we treat mental illness? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that mindfulness has discovered is that people who are pretty self-aware, um, tend to be mentally healthier because they pay 
closer attention to the here and now in their lives, but they also pay close attention to how they feel and why. And sometimes that self-awareness can go a long ways to helping us almost, I, w- I don't want to say self-diagnose, but we become, we, we realize, you know, I haven't felt good for a week or two. I just I don't feel happy mm-hmm. or I don't feel very good or I feel like there's kind of a cloud gathering above my head. And self-aware people see that faster or they tend to. And so when you pay close attention, it's not selfishness to do so. I don't think meditation or self-reflection is a selfish activity. Mm-hmm. A selfish activity is thinking about how awesome you are and how everybody else in the world is causing your problems. That, that's not healthy, right? So finding a balance between self-awareness and being in the here and now in your life can be really helpful to just develop that awareness. Mm-hmm. So Andy, I know many people have significant depression at some point in their life. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the result of of some brain chemistry that's gone a little haywire mm-hmm. or a series of very sad circumstances. Yeah. Or maybe there's no real reason at all. Yeah. That happens too. It does, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that might be the toughest thing to understand for people's Yeah. Why am I feeling I haven't done anything. Nothing's no. happened to me. Nothing's no, going on in my life. No reason to be right. down, right? Yeah. But you look at people like C.S. Lewis and um, uh, Charles H. Charles H. Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. These are prominent people in in the ministry that had horrible depression. Yeah, and it can be really it can be really tough to shake. Yeah. Um, yeah. I anyone anyone who is suffering from depression deserves our empathy and understanding whether it's a deep clinical long-term depression or if it's something that's only been around for a couple of weeks in either case these are these are people who are they're suffering mm-hmm. it's a it's a suffering disorder yeah you're you're not happy and like i said earlier we're not meant to be happy all the time right you know we all went through middle school you know you're not meant <laughs> to be happy all the time right yeah um but when you're never happy, that's that's a problem. Yeah. Um, when you are losing pleasure in activities that are normally pleasurable, when they're just not fun anymore, mm-hmm. that's a key sign that you're depressed. Yeah. And it radiates throughout. It's not just in your mind because if you're depressed, you're probably suffering uh, with sleep, with energy, yeah. with appetite. Yes. And with your own sense of well-being. Absolutely. And we just talked about, I don't seem to enjoy activities the way I once did. Right. You know, why don't you want to watch the game? You used to enjoy watching a baseball yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you want to do this on Sunday afternoon? You, you don't feel like doing it anymore. Yeah. Those are just good indicators that you might want to ask around, get some help maybe. Absolutely. Now, if it's if it's a one-time, if it's just one thing, you know, there's we go through cycles in life of enjoying certain things and, you know, we get tired of, you know, maybe you love to ride your bike and you just think, you know what, I'm kind of tired of riding my bike. Yeah, I don't want to do that, that anymore. That's cool. That's okay. There's, yep. nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's when you want to do something that's fun and it, it's just not happening anymore. You're just not. It doesn't bring you joy. When you when you lack joy in your life, you you want to ask the questions of well, why is that happening? What what am I missing? And is this a permanent feeling that I have? Those are those are really important and key indicators to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a good connector to say if you feel anxiety or depression. It's probably manifesting it in your body as well. Yeah, you definitely. There are definitely physical ramifications right. for depression, for anxiety. 
Um, I mean, it can be stuff that's really obvious, like like panic attacks or anxiety attacks. Oh, yeah. You know, those are those are very obvious. But the kind of the insidious part of depression for so many sufferers of depression is it's not like a switch where one day you're, you wake up and you have a fever and your nose is running, your throat is sore. You know what's happening, right? You feel it immediately. You just wake up and feel different and it's not good. Right. Depression usually doesn't work that way. It takes time and it's, it's a slow creep. And again, when you're not super, if you're not self-aware or it's just such, such a slow process, you, you might not recognize it until you do. And it's been that way for a long time. And that's why it can be kind of tough to get out of right away because it's been there longer than you maybe realize and it's been affecting you longer. And so, yeah, you might be suddenly realizing, you know, I haven't slept well for a couple of months and I've had low energy. Well, it's because I'm not sleeping. Well, I also haven't been eating very well anymore. And suddenly you realize there's six or seven things in your life that are, that aren't right. And then now what? Now you've got to fix those six or seven things right. or you feel like you do and it can become really challenging. Yeah. If you're not sleeping, and of course, I think that's the foundation of good health, you're, yeah. you can end up being irritable yeah. and you could have impaired judgment, problem with fatigue, focus, and you don't even have to be depressed to be experiencing that. No. No, not at all. No. You just need to be tired. Right. One of my favorite things to teach in introductory psychology every semester, I usually have a ton of freshmen, uh-huh. and I have a whole section on sleep. And we talk about all the pieces of sleep, you know, REM sleep and deep sleep and dreaming and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the semester, when I ask the students, what is, what are some of the most important things you learned? Inevitably, 60 to 75% of them will say, the sleep section was huge for me. Wow. Because... I had no idea that I was literally ruining my life by staying up until two every night with my friends no. and getting up at six thirty or seven for class at eight. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible for you. But they finally don't have a curfew either. Oh, I know. Excited just to college do. is such a great time of life. <laughs> it's the best. You can do all these terrible things, but you're young enough where the impact isn't quite so bad. Yeah. You know, if I sleep four hours a night for the next week, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Whereas my College freshman son, he's he'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. We're talking about mental health, and now we're pulling out one aspect of mental health, which is depression, which a lot of people have episodes of depression. They're in constant depression, and a lot of people will have significant uh, depression at some point in their life. And it's pretty important that you recognize it. And a myth that I hear in, is I won't need any kind of medication. I'm not that depressed. That's not my kind of depression. I don't need it. And a lot of people disagree. Yeah. They say, you need to talk to a doctor and see if it will help you. You don't have to be committed to staying on it. You just need to see if it will help. Yeah, that's... Right? You're, what you're saying is exactly right, Bill. It, honestly, not everybody does need medication, but many people do. Right. And I... I have always taught students to look at it this way. There's, there's often, oftentimes people are are deep enough in their depression where going into therapy is helpful, but taking some medication, even if it might be for a short amount of time, yep. helps clear some of the fog out of the way so that you can see the path forward. Yeah, because a lot of times people who are dealing with 
particularly clinical depression, there's, there's multiple things to address. And some of that can be addressed through therapy. But if your depression is so heavy that you can't really cut through that fog anymore, the medicine will cut through some of that for you and allow you to see your way out. Mm-hmm. That's, there's a number of analogies that you can use for this, but I, I would highly recommend that anybody who's dealing with depression right now, if you're not taking a medication because you feel like there's something wrong with you if you do so, please go see someone who can help guide you in that process. And they may say, no, you don't need to take it. Exactly. That That's exactly what might be happening. But why not check it out? Yeah. I got a text that said, I had depression nearly all of my adult life. Oh. I'm 56. Yeah. I cured it with magnesium and vitamin D. The Wellbutrin didn't cure it. It just masked symptoms. Most depression is curable. I, I agree with the listener. Yeah. Good. Most depression is curable. And sometimes it's just plain old medicine that can do it. But most of the time, it's a combination of learning coping skills. It's, a, it's changing your mindset. A lot of depression stems from a negative mindset seeing everything in a pessimistic light, um, failing to see the good in things and focusing on the negative in things. Uh, one of the best things that you can do when you're a person who's more prone to negative feelings is to change your mindset, which takes practice. It takes some mindfulness of being aware of the fact that, hey, you know what? I look at things negatively most of the time. You, you can flip that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a choice to say, I'm going to do that. And then it takes some work and maybe some help from a therapist to help you learn some new techniques and skills in the way that you think. Um, that's what cognitive behavioral therapy is about. It's about changing your thinking patterns and it's about changing your behaviors because those two things work in concert with one another. Your, your thoughts influence your behaviors, but your behaviors influence your thoughts as well. And you can't forget about the social aspect outside. You know, we teach at North Central and in many other Christian colleges too. I mean, this isn't just our school or me. We teach from a biopsychosocial spiritual model of mental health. You have to pay attention to the biology. You have to know what physically is happening in your brain. You have to look at that. You have to understand the psychology, which is our emotions and our, and our thoughts um, and our behaviors. You have to think about the sociology part, which is who's influencing us. What are we listening to? You know, who is speaking into our lives? Who do we have around us? And then the spiritual aspect is what am I doing with God? What's, what's between, what, what do God and I have to talk about in this situation? How can he help me here? How can I reach out and open myself to what God's going to do in my life? And so all four of those things, if you're missing two of them or having stress in two of them, it's going to impact the other two. And so you want to get all four of those working well together. That's where you start to find higher levels of mental health. Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. We'll take a break and come back. If you have a question or comment, let me know. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com.
I hope you've had a good day. Thanks for listening to the show this afternoon. Dr. Andy Scudinger is in studio with me. We've been talking about uh, mental health and wellness, and then we've gotten into depression and anxiety, which is something that uh, we hear about all the time. People struggle with a lot of it. Oh, yeah. So here's a question that came in, Andy. How is mental health tied to procrastination? I struggle with starting difficult things I need to do, then I procrastinate, and then I feel shame when I don't get things done on time, yeah. and it makes it more difficult to finish those tasks, it can be a vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle, especially when you, yeah, especially when you follow up, if you're late or you missed a project or a deadline, and yeah, you feel that sense of shame, and then you tell yourself, why did you do that again? What is wrong with you? Or how come you never can put it together? And you give yourself all these negative messages, and then you feel crummy about it, and then when the next situation comes up, you're already, you've already got one foot in the bucket because you're already telling yourself, I'm just going to do it again. I hate mm-hmm. this part about myself. Yeah. I don't like doing this. And that's where, right, that's where the cognitive behavioral therapy would, would this is a cl- like a textbook example, right, where you have to change the way that you think about yourself. You also have to change the way that you behave. So... If you're frustrated with procrastination, you have to make a concerted effort to say, okay, I am going to find a new way to schedule my life, or I'm going to find a new way to keep track of the things that I'm supposed to do so that I don't put this off. And then you remind yourself every day of, okay, I don't want to be, I don't want to procrastinate on this particular item. I'm going to do it on time. And then when you feel that sense of, uh, you're doing it again, you're just waiting, you say, no, just stop. Don't be so hard on myself. I'm going to do this and I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to make it work. And when you keep practicing those types of things, that positive self-talk without going into, I'm so totally awesome. Nothing's wrong with me. You know, you don't, you don't want to take self-talk too far in that regard. Um, But I think, I think many people struggle with this, these feelings of guilt and shame. And then they, they punish themselves mentally. And we don't get to the point where we say, but you're okay. And it's going to be all right. And this isn't the end of the world. So it's, it's a delicate balance. I mean, I think the, the big takeaway from here is mental health is certainly attainable for everyone, but it, it's, it's a difficult process for, for many. And so I want to be really empathic towards those who are struggling with these things. I I want you to hear there, there is always a path forward. There's always a way out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes a ton of work and effort to get there, but it, but it's there. It is definitely there. And when you keep, Casting your cares upon the Lord and say, God, I, I need your help, but I want to do something too. What, what do you want me to do? I need your help doing it. That's how we make progress. Yeah. That's how we start making progress. Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy Scudding is my guest. Andy, when, when you're in this situation and you feel like you're a little on the, on the anxiety, depression side, and you sometimes think, I would just as soon be by myself and I'll be able to Tell myself whatever I want to. I'm going to lick my own wounds, so to speak. And I, I might, I might actually um, reject some of the comfort that's being extended by family or friends. Mm. They don't know what I'm going through. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they don't. You're right. right. Yeah. I mean, but then again, maybe they do. Maybe they have been through that, and you've never asked them if they have, or they've never talked about it themselves. I. I think it's really probably pretty easy for most people to want to withdraw when they're feeling 
depressed or when they're feeling anxious. That's a natural tendency. A lot of a lot of people who self-report about these things, they will tell you, I just feel like I want to crawl away and hide from yeah. everybody. And I would say that is as 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 much as that might feel like the right thing to do, the best thing to do is to still maintain your relationships. It's to still maintain your regular habits. Keep your normal routines. And any therapist will tell you, have you given up any of your normal routines? Have you given up regular stuff? And when the answer is, yeah, I don't do these things anymore, the therapist is going to encourage you to begin doing them again. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't bring you the pleasure they used to, doing your life duties, whether it's being in school or going to work or taking care of your kids or your spouse, you need to still you need to still do those things. Because if you don't, that's not, that that will make your un your your poor health worse. Yeah. And so it's it seems counterintuitive to say that, but it's really the best thing to do is to keep keep doing the things that you're supposed to do and maintain those regular regularities, those patterns in life that keep you Normal and regulated. Yeah. Are you saying action first, feelings will then follow? I think sometimes that's true. Yeah. Not always. Sometimes I don't really want to do it until I feel it. And if you've right. dropped out of certain activities, maybe your 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 counsel is engage again. Take action, even if you don't feel like it and the feelings might come after. Yeah, that that's a really good way to look at it. You know, it's like if 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 you've ever, you know, worked out or you're a runner or you walk regularly. And you don't do it for a few days and you think, you know, I don't, I kind of don't feel like I want to do it. Do it, right? That's any exercise professional will say, that's when you must make yourself do it because you'll get halfway through and you'll say, oh, I'm so glad I did this. I know. I'm so glad I decided to work out. I'm so glad I decided to run, even though I'm kind of tired and didn't feel like it. Well, it's tenfold with mental health. I mean, you you really do need to keep doing those same things and you will be glad that you did because if you're not feeling a whole lot of esteem because you're feeling pretty crummy and feeling pretty low and you do do something you're supposed to and you do accomplish it, that will make you feel good. You will feel better about that because you've done something. I know. I know. That's very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. And we want to be understood. We want to let people in in our lives for sure. Yeah. And especially if we're sending signals that we're withdrawing, that's not a good thing. No. And it's better to um, let people know, verbalize that I'm, I'm, I'm misfiring a little bit. Yeah. I'm not focusing the way I, I've been able to lately. I am not sleeping very well, uh, and I'm starting to worry about things that I didn't used to worry about. Yeah, that's a big one. Yep. That's a, that's a key indicator when you're worrying about things that you didn't used to worry about. Yeah. And it's something that is you're thinking about a lot. Um, you know, and, and and life comes and goes, right? There's... You know, we have disasters, we have hurricanes and floods and, you know, we have political seasons where people get really worked up about yeah. things and really worried. Well, that, okay, that's, that's fairly normal yeah, because those normal. are cyclical things. But when it's the middle of winter and you're worried about tornadoes striking your hometown sometime, you know, that's, that's not a, that's not a rational thing to worry about because mm -hmm. it's the middle of winter. That's not going to happen. Those are, those are clues for us to pay attention to in our thinking patterns. And Andy, if you get to the point where you're thinking, does God understand or care? When you think that maybe he doesn't, then you're on, then you're in dangerous territory. Yeah, it's, it's true. And that's a hard feeling to have. That's a difficult feeling to have. And I've, I've talked to many people who have said, I just, I felt like God just left me. Yeah. Um, and, and I recently heard a testimony of somebody who, who literally said that, 
the the testimony was I felt like God abandoned me and I couldn't shake that feeling. And I went into a deep spiral Mm -hmm. and I barely made it out. But here's the thing. That person made it out because God didn't abandon that person. And God never does. We abandon God. He doesn't abandon us. The Bible is so clear about this. Jesus is there with us the whole time. And I'm not saying that mental health is a barrier between you and God. Sometimes we feel like it is, mm-hmm. and that can be problematic. Yeah. But God is always there. And I, I just want to be full of empathy um, tonight for yeah. people who might feel like they're at wit's end, that we, you don't know what you can do. I just want you to know that you can do a lot. Absolutely. I want to encourage you to participate as best you can. Yep. And respond to people. You know, everyone's got caller ID. So when the call comes, (laughs) don't ignore it. That's right. Take it. Take the call. Talk. Listen. Somebody encourages you to meet for coffee, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Being a community can be a powerful elixir. Yeah. Just being with people. Yeah. You don't have to have... You don't have to have an earth-shattering conversation. Yeah. A lot of people are still out of practice after COVID because we went a couple of years without getting together. Yeah. And we developed new routines and habits and patterns. And sometimes the, the reentry is not as fast as, uh, as it could be for some. Right. It's hard to believe that's three and a half years ago already. Is it really that long? Yeah. March 2020 is when everything shut down, oh, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Andy, thanks again. I always uh, appreciate seeing you and and, uh, having time with you here in studio. I appreciate the expertise and wisdom you brought on mental illness and some depression items. So thank you for uh, spending time. Dr. Andy Scudinga has been my guest. He is a psychology professor at the North Central University right here in the Twin Cities. That is our show for the evening, for the day. I hope you have a great night. I hope that you get that beautiful restorative rest that we talked about, that you wake up in the morning and you feel God's mercy and you say, it's another day where I can serve God. I'm going to treat my job as an act of worship to him. I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to take their calls. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to be as positive as I can be. Give God your life. Surrender to him. Believe in him. Trust in him. Give him your allegiance. And I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.